So just to uh, give you a lowdown, the lowdown on where we're going to be going over these next few weeks on Sundays. Um, There's always, see, there's always a reason, isn't there? There's always a reason. It's finding the reason. That's today's golden nugget of wisdom. For my second point. The, okay, so over these Sundays, uh, we're, so we've called this Sunday Thanksgiving Sunday because obviously this is our last Sunday in the two congregations. We're just being thankful to God for all that he has done. And um, so we're going to have a few testimonies in a moment, people just saying what the Lord's been up to. Um, just so that, just to fuel our Thanksgiving, okay. Um, next Sunday is Adventure Sunday. Really, it's. It, I mean, boy, these next few years, I honestly believe it's gonna kick, and God is gonna do some amazing things with us. But we've really got to catch what it is He's doing, catch the heart of it, and run like crazy with Him. So we're really, ex- we're gonna, I'm just gonna, we're gonna just blast that the following week. On the tenth, we're going for Deacon Sunday. Where I'm going to, yeah, yeah, I'm going to preach on deacons, what they are, blah, 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 blah. And then we're going to have a box at the back where over the next three weeks you put forward who you think should be the deacons in the church. We then collate that with what we're thinking and we see where God's taking us. Okay? So it's going to be fun, fun, fun the next few weeks. Um, and then we'll probably be looking to start some kind of series, um, I imagine, after Easter that will take us through the summer. That probably makes most sense. So that's the plan. But without further ado, um, I need to probably... We're going to do some testimonies. So pr- let's use that mic. I will stay out of your way so we don't get lots of, um, lots of uh, noise. Um, so what, the guys that are going to be sharing, I think, there's, I think it's Alice, Sarah and Seb. Do you guys want to just come up here? Um, make them feel the love. Let them feel the love. And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and just be great to hear what, what God's been doing. Is it okay, Ben, to turn this off for a minute? Is that, is that okay? All right, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Uh, my name's Seb. For you guys who don't know me, I usually go to the evening service. But because um, we're joining together, you'll all be seeing a lot more of me. Yeah. Now, um, uh, I've been helping to lead the Christianity Explored course that we've been doing over the last five weeks, along with Torsten and Lena. And um, it's been really good so far. Um, we've been meeting at the Camden Eye in... Uh, just off Camden Town Station, and um, we've been having 15 to 20 people coming along each week, and we've been discussing, um, studying the Bible, asking questions, um, talking about 
what it means, and uh, there's been a really good atmosphere. I think anyone who's brought friends along will agree. It's just been a really friendly environment, uh, we, really multicultural. We've had Turkish, Chinese, Japanese people coming along saying, we've never heard this before. I never knew Jesus was the Son of God. Uh, you can't hear this in my country. It's uh, really encouraging. And, um, um, yeah, and I just want to give you, uh, build up your faith um, with uh, something that happened weeks ago. Uh, one of my friends, Dia, who came along, um, was looking absolutely wrecked. He, he was, uh, like, he looked like he hadn't had sleep for days, which was actually true. He hadn't had sleep for days. And his flatmate was always playing ridiculously loud music for the whole night, wouldn't listen to uh, anything that he'd said. Um, he'd complained to the landlords. They wouldn't want to do anything about it. And he said he couldn't even go to school to study because he was too tired. So, um, and he really saw no way out of it. And I offered, do you want to uh, pray about it? And he was like, what? And I was like, yeah, we can pray. Uh, and then God will answer your prayer, and then you can get some sleep. And so we did. And then uh, week he came back a lot better. And I was like, so how did you sleep? And he was like, fine. The next two nights, there was no sound, even though he hadn't said anything. And as far as I know, the problem hasn't come back yet. Uh, that's really good. And so now these guys are beginning to get faith. They, they can see God's answering their prayers. And um, so, yeah, just a real encouragement. And, um, oh, yeah, I really expect that some of these guys are going to get saved soon. So keep on praying for us, uh, especially tomorrow. Thanks a lot. Hi, guys. Um, I think most of you probably know who I am, but if you don't, I'm Sarah. Um, I've been with Revelation for coming up to four years, I believe, or three or four years. Anyway, um, so, yeah, got a text from Rich saying, would you share about what God's been doing sort of recently? Um, and I'm just, uh, forgive me for the cheesiness, but I'm just going to read off a couple of ing words. Uh, so he has been revealing, rescuing, saving, changing, teaching, speaking, restoring, keeping, blessing, and providing. And I could go on. I mean, that's just, you know. Um, I'm just going to quickly share something that happened kind of just before, just uh, around about the Christmas carol service, December time. Um, leading, leading up to that point, I'd, um, I'd got into a very dark place. Um, I felt quite trapped is, is kind of what, probably the best way to describe it. And all I can say is that we had a, um, I had a time of prayer, um, Alice was with me. And when I say God's been revealing, rescuing, saving, um, as we prayed, I had the most incredible experience of the cross. I won't go into it now, I've only got a couple of minutes. If you want to know, I'm more than happy to share. But all I can say is I just, I saw what God had done. I saw what he's rescued me from. I saw what he's bringing me into and has brought me into, and it is the most incredible, beautiful thing. Pretty much off the back of that, I went into about four months of quite poor health. And uh, considering the dark place I'd been in, that wasn't a great place to then go into. But the peace that transpired through this next season and continues to transpire has just clarified for me, and I'm sure you guys have seen, the strength and power of what God did that night. Because that dark place has not come back. It will not come back. And all I can say is the joy that has bubbled up since that night 
it's just incredible. And yeah, and then through that, he's been teaching, he's been speaking. I've got the beauty of going to a friend's testimony this afternoon. She's recently become a Christian after an eight-year journey, and it's just beautiful. So as I say, he's saving, he's changing, he's teaching, he's speaking, he's providing, he is working beyond recognition. Um, I just wanted to share, God's been, been moving a lot in my workplace um, over the last few months, and it's been incredible, and there's loads of things I could share, but I'm just going to share a couple of the miracles that have happened recently. Um, and I was reading Psalm 125 yesterday, and it just spoke to me so true, and the story will um, resonate with it. And it's just the first two li- um, verses that says, Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken but endures forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people both now and forevermore. And I can honestly say that um, my work is a place where I thought I was safe and I thought I've been blessed so much in the last few years and I thought it was a safe place, I didn't have to worry about anything. And it got shaken up massively in the last few months and it was really tough. And I would say uh, I was probably in a bit of a vulnerable place anyway and for that to get shaken was quite tough. Um, but God has just been so faithful and so incredible throughout, throughout it all. Um, just to do a quick summary, basically six months ago, God spoke to me and said that he wants me to invest uh, more of my time into music. So I figured the best way of doing that was to cut my hours at work. So I asked to go down to three days. And the person that has to make the decision is um, one of the people at work who I don't have, I have a good relationship with, but... She's very, like a cold, hard businesswoman, and um, I, I'm lucky if I get hello when she walks in the office. She just comes, does her job, and then she goes. Um, so I thought, well, it's going to be a miracle if she says yes anyway. And then six months transpired, and she still hadn't made a decision. So my manager was like, right, we're going to push for it. And she pushed for it, and then it was a downright no, it's never going to happen. I might consider it in July. So I was like, okay, God, I feel like you're calling me to this, but I'm helpless. I don't know what to do here. Anyway, meanwhile, a storm kicks off. And everything that, yeah, that I thought was safe just totally goes upside down. And I get caught up in this really tricky situation um, between management and the CEO and the president of the charity. And somehow I'm stuck right in the middle and it's all my fault, even though I haven't done anything wrong. And I had to take kind of, I had to take this phone call from the president of the charity where he was extremely angry about a situation that one of my colleagues got herself into. Um, and I just had to take his wrath, as it were. And... Um, just, yeah, just apologize for the situation and take responsibility for it. And um, it was really hard. And at the end of it, I did burst into tears after I put the phone down. And my manager saw that. And then she went off and told the management. And then they went off. And it just spiraled into this huge thing. And then they got really upset. And then they went to put a formal complaint against him. And there I was in this war against the president. And I didn't even want to be. And um, I had no control over it, and I tried to s- stop it, and I s- went to the CEO, and I said, look, I really don't want to take this any further. It's fine. I understand why he's upset, and I don't want to do anything. And he said, do you know what, Alice? It doesn't matter what you think. We have to do this for the, for the sake of the charity. I was like, I'm helpless. I just have to let them do what they have to do. Um, and then I lost one of my team members, so then I had to cover her job as well. And it's just been a really intense time. And over that time, um, my this this 
director, um, who's the hard one that barely says hello to me, says, right, I want to see you. And I'm like, oh, here we go. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong now? And she just, something happened. I mean, I, had to, I nearly laughed out loud because I just thought, God has done a work in you. In that, she, what came out of her mouth is nearly like flowers. She just suddenly turned into this other person and she just was so nice to me and just commended me and was just... Yeah, completely different. And then she said, Do you know what? I don't ever change my mind, but I've, I want to let you know I've changed my mind. Don't tell anyone. But I want you to go down to three days a week. And I was like, come on. <laughs> so um, that was the first miracle. And then, um, then all the storms kicking off with the president and the CEO, and they're having this little war, and I'm in the middle. And then um, uh, Susie and my housemate and me prayed about it the other night. I was still like, okay, I feel peaceful about it. I shouldn't have fear of man. I shouldn't care what they think about me but it was still a bit upsetting that I'd managed to get myself in a situation with someone who previously had a really good relationship with. And um, we prayed about it the next day, get an email pop up in my inbox from the president. Alice, fantastic job sorting it out. Uh, everything's forgotten. Sign off. And I was like, amen. You've done the work. I haven't done anything. I've been helpless in the situation. All I did was just stand and trust you, and you did everything, and give him the glory. Yeah. Great, isn't it? The things that go on, um, we all rock up on Sunday and it all looks fine, but the things that go on, the storms that kick off and the faithfulness of God through that is incredible and it's so good to hear some of those things. Um, I w- so, so I want us to give thanks today and I want us to also ask the question, how have we got this far and still be in one piece? Um, you know, how, how, how is it that God's kind of kept us together and in great shape and that we're going somewhere good? Some church plants don't have that doesn't work. Um, now, ultimately, of course, everything points back to the avalanche of God's grace. We know that, don't we? It's the grace of God. And yet God's grace is revealed to us in a myriad of ways, and there are various means through which we can access his grace. And I want to just point to a few, just to strengthen us and to remind us, really, of um, how we got where we are and how, we, um, how grateful we ought to be because of that. I'm going to read a story from the book of 2 Chronicles, um, so if you do have a Bible and you feel brave enough to even try and f- to find it, then um, please come with me. It goes Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles. So you're better off starting from the start. Or if you start in the middle and you hit the Psalms, go back. Say I when you reach it. You guys... Should have been listening. 2 Chronicles 20. We're going to go from verse 1. 2 Chronicles is an amazing book. If you haven't read it, it's one, not, not one that a lot of Christians immediately go to. Fantastic stuff in here. So here we go. After this, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and with them some of the Moonites came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea, and behold, they are in Hazazon Tamar, that is En Gedi. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord, from all the cities of Judah. They came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not... God in heaven, 
You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they've lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment or pestilence or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, (coughs) and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now behold the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt, and whom they avoided and didn't destroy. Behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you've given us to inherit. Oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we're powerless against this great horde, what is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives and their children, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jeel, son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. And he said, Listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley, east of the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them and the Lord will be with you. Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshipping the Lord. And the Levites of the Kohathites and the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. And they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Believe his prophets and you will succeed. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and say, Give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love in just forever. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir who had come against Judah so that they were routed. Lord, we thank you for these great records of your incredible victories for your people. May this story speak right into our hearts now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to just point really to a few things that happen in the story and say, hey, look, we've tried to be like that and we want to continue trying to be like that. This is something that we want to emulate. Notice that it's a situation of great pressure. You've got this horde coming against the Israelites and they really haven't got what it takes naturally to deal with them. Okay, it's like one of those situations where you look on it naturally and it's like, we can't win. I think when we first moved up here, 12 adults, 5 kids, to plant a church and affect the area, it was very much like, you know, mathematically, it's not looking great. Okay, on paper, it's not looking brilliant, but we've got a promise, God has spoken. We've got a promise, God has called us and God's going to build something because it's, it's the Lord who builds the church, right? And it's him who advances the kingdom. So, so that's why we came on those grounds. It's very much, but you're, you're, all you've got to do is go out on the streets and you're aware of the fact that there is so much that is really set against the kingdom. There's like a great horde, if you like, of um, attitudes, philosophies, um, ways of thinking, values that really just set a, a tone and an atmosphere that is not like the kingdom of God. 
We live in a city that's a proud city and really is very focused on um, getting, getting ahead, you know, being number one, exhorting yourself and all of that, totally set against the kingdom. We live in a weird kind, in a city which has a weird mix of kind of, it's very secular, really not, not really into the God stuff, and yet at the same time increasingly spiritual, as long as it's, as it's not about only Jesus. And both of these things in different ways are set against the purposes of God. The whole secular mindset is obviously just a whole worldview that is utterly at odds with, with what God reveals in the Bible. And that kind of vague, universal, kind of spiritual, yeah, yeah, just get a, a bit of this and a bit of that, a bit of Eastern mysticism and mix it together. It's kind of it's set against what God reveals in Scripture, which is that there's only one name that he has established by which men can be saved, and that name is Jesus. And so what we find is that there's so many different attitudes, values, and things set against us. It's a little bit like we're, you know, the people of Israel. Um, and so I want to draw on this story just to say, how have we got this far? And not just survived, but thrived. How is it that we can go from where we've come from and be, be looking as healthy as we are today? The first thing I want to say is they gathered to seek the Lord. Jehoshaphat made a call to the people, we're going to seek the Lord because actually... We cannot thrive naturally. We need God's help. We've got to gather to pray. From day one, we've had a weekly prayer meeting where we said, now we're going to gather, we're going to find a way of gathering corporately weekly to pray. We're going to find a way to do that. For years, that was on a Sunday, along with everything else that we did on a Sunday, we're going to pray. And we would do that, and we've had some amazing times fighting together. It's now changed to a Tuesday. Um, we're going to have a specially intense time um, Monday the 4th, that week. I want to call you to prayer. I want to do my best to put my crown on, act like Jehoshaphat, and say, come on guys, let's pray. Let's gather and pray together. Let's make this something that is a priority. Why? Because prayer changes things. You, I'm serious, and I just want to say, I want to actually ask you the question, do you believe that? believe that? Because I think we know that God is sovereign and has ordained all things, and what we can do is we can, and that's true, but we can interpret that in a way that's actually wrong, in the sense that, well, it's all kind of, it's all set up anyway, so what's me praying? What difference is that going to make? Well, the Bible reveals it makes a huge difference. Can I explain that? No. And I won't even try to. Because mature Christianity means you're able to hold two things. You don't know how they come together, but you know they are both true. And I know God is totally sovereign, and yet I know our prayers make a massive difference. And if we're really going to press on, we've got to pray together. So we're going, to, we, we're going to carry on seeking the Lord. It's going to, it's going to, I hope that it marks us increasingly as a church. The second thing is this amazing thing he says in verse 12. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. How would you feel if your king said that? It's not going to be in the leadership manual, is it? When it gets really tough, tell everyone that you really have no idea what to do now. That's really going to build confidence in those around you. What is going on here? What is this? This is godly leadership. It's honest. It's not just bravado. It's not just hype. Oh, say the right thing and you know, people will hopefully fall for it. It's honest. I think one of the keys to our success up to this point is that you've been led by someone who really doesn't actually know what he's doing. And now you're being led by three and it's a similar deal. 
that's basically the score, okay? I'm not saying we don't know our Bible and don't know what we believe. We do. We're convinced on those things. But as to actually how we're going to accomplish the mission and see all those prophetic promises over us fulfilled, do you know what? I've not got an ABC for you. I really, I've not got a one, two, three. I don't know. But I can tell you where my eyes are. My eyes are on him. And he knows. And he will bring us into all that he has promised he will bring us into. But I want to just square with you and say, that's the deal. That is the nature, that is the heart of the leadership of the church here. We are entirely dependent on his ongoing leadership, on direction and instruction from the Holy Spirit. If that stops, we are clueless. We are as disorientated as anyone else in the church. We need him to be speaking. We need, now, that sometimes he speaks directly to us. Other times, he just, there's prophecies come. Sometimes the people outside the church, very often from the church. This is my way of saying, please keep seeking God. Please keep hearing God. And when you hear, please bring it. And don't worry about it if it sounds cranky. We will weigh it. But we need, we, this is the way we roll, guys. We follow him. Okay? You're not going to get a five-year line that goes, oh, there, and then we're going to be there. We don't know where we're going to be in five years. But what we could draw, like we could draw a picture of a load of people kind of clinging onto Jesus' ankle and say, that's the plan. <laughs> there it is. It's kind of like that today, and it kind of goes up, and it looks really similar in five years' time, probably looking a bit more desperate. Okay? That's, that's the plan. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on him. Because when he says this, look what happens. It says... We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And in verse 13, meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord. So the people gather to God because they know what the king doesn't really know. Why don't we gather to God? That's how it should be. You want a people that actually ultimately, fundamentally are gathered to him. And because they gather to him, they recognize, yeah, he, he appoints elders. He's, that's part of the way he leads the So we're going to honor those guys. But actually, we're gathered to him. We're not ultimately gathered to them. We want to get behind them and support them and submit because that's what he calls us to do. But we're, but we're, we're gathered around him. And our confidence is in him and his leadership. And I'm going to seek God because we, we need to hear what he's saying. So it produces that, which is incredible and very, very beautiful. Then we get the prophet, start, a prophet starts prophesying. So there's, there's, the king said, don't know what to do. People gather to God and then God speaks to one of them and this amazing prophecy comes which shapes and changes everything. And then God fights for them, and then the battle is won. I don't know about you, I like this formula. Do you like how this sounds? If that was our story for the next few years, wouldn't it be great? We gather to God, God speaks, we hear, articulate it, and then God fights for us and we win loads of battles. Come on. Come on, this is it. It's all in the book. I'm not even making it up. It's all in the book. And this is the authority, so don't argue with me. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Christian shepherds are sheep, okay? God appoints elders as shepherds, but they're under-shepherds, they're sheep. Christian leaders are led. That's what marks it out, the different from kind of outside of the kingdom of God, in just out in the world, it's a different deal. Everyone has to, leaders have to pretend, they, they know it all, they understand. No, we don't, but we're following him, and he's going to show us the way forward. It's going to be great. 
So then this amazing prophetic word comes. Let's listen to this. It's fantastic. Listen, all Judah, inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. The battle is not yours, but God's. And then the instructions come. What a prophecy. And it galvanizes the whole body. It's a beautiful thing. I want to just charge those of you that particularly are prophetic, please keep prophesying. It was so good when I sent out that email the other week saying, you know what, there's loads of opposition, there's loads of hardship, it's tough. Within days, there were three brilliant prophetic words that came, which just really were like, oh, and attached them to this week's weekly update. And I want to just say, please let us continue to be a prophetic people. Please. Acts 2, it says this, that the Lord says, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. There's, a, there's an abundant, general outpouring of God's spirit in this age that we live in, so that we can all prophesy. It's not just the one or two, oh, you know, the old oh, Isaiah over there, Jer- Jer- it's the body, it's the people of God now. That's God's plan. I want to charge you and ask you to seek him, and if you hear his whisper, or if you hear his shout, please communicate it as best you can. It will be flawed because we prophesy in part. But if God's in it, it will help us. It will galvanize us. It will gather us. It will get us moving in the right direction. We've tried our best since day one to be responsive to the Holy Spirit and his leading. There were, who, remembers, who remembers the staff moment? I'll tell you about the staff moment. It was one of my worst nightmares as a church planter. So we're... We, we, we still, I think at this stage we're about 12 adults. Something I've just got to be wise because I'm, you know, then I can gather some more people if they think I'm wise. Yeah? If they think I'm cranky, this thing's doomed. <laughs> we had this staff in our garden. And I was reading the Bible one day and it's about Moses and he kind of, he, he, you know, he, he lifts his staff or something and, and, and the, you know, the sea parts and that. And I thought, oh, it's amazing, you know, just meditating on that. And then, I, and then I'm in the garden thinking about it, and I suddenly see the staff, and I start feeling like the Holy Spirit quickening me about the staff. And I'm like, oh, no, no. I don't care what it is. I don't want to hear if it's about a staff. Do you know what? It just sounds, it sounds weird. So, um, then, and then I read another, another story, and it was about this guy. He's with Elisha the prophet, and he's got these arrows in his hand, and Elisha says, bang him on the floor. So he bangs him a few times, and Elisha says, oh, if you bang them three times, you're going to get half a victory. If you bang them more times, you would have got the full victory, right? And the whole time I've been praying, God, give us a victory in Camden. And I read that, and I'm like, oh, no, things are staffs banging, no, you know, and, uh, and I basically felt like God's saying, God's saying um, to me, and then I'd heard, this, yeah, I'd heard this story a few years back about a church that really wanted to, um, uh, this plot of land, I felt God had given this plot of land to, to build on, but year, it took years, there was opposition, nothing was coming on it, until in the end, one of the prophets among them, just, he just felt God call him to go to and bang his staff on the ground on this land. And as he did it, it's like, like this sort of demonic manifestation and he deals with it and I think within days they get the land. It's just like, I remember reading that and all these things are coming together and I'm like, oh man, I think we need to go and bang a staff in Camden. And I'm like, no, this can't be happening. So I really worked myself up. Come on, come on, come on. So we had our midweek meeting and the guys come around and we do this, that and the other and I'm about to tell them and I can't. I can't say it, right? I can't say it, right? Because it's like, it's crazy. And it doesn't make any sense. So I don't. And then I'm sitting in bed that night, and I'm, you know, and it, as, as you can expect, it was a mediocre time together, you know, as these things are when you dis- disobey God. So I'm in bed, and I'm reading this about, and I'm onto David and Saul at this point, and, and Saul does this thing where he fears man more than fearing God. And I'm sort of sitting there <laughs> in bed, wilting under the conviction. And I thought, right, that's it. 
So I gave the next week, I said, guys, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to go out into Camden and um, we're going to stop the traffic and bang the staff in the middle of the street and um, just declare this, this land is ours in God. Who wants to come? <laughs> and uh, it really, and uh, you know, and I said, look, I said, some of you just stay and pray. So I knew not everyone would just have the grace to be out. I said, some of you just stay and pray. But who's coming? So I think five, five or six said, yeah, we're in. So we, we charged over one night, Camden High Street. I mean, you know, Canada Street, even hustle and bustle and all that. We, you know, we got to the, to the lock, you know, the lock where it goes over by the market. Four or five of the guys stood in the road, stopped the traffic. Right? Yeah, I just, and I just went for it. I'm banging that staff, declaring Christ is Lord. I didn't bang it three times because I want the full victory. You know, we went for it, yeah? Now, God gave me a token of his grace in that. I, I think it was the following week. What had happened was, about two weeks before this incident, I'd read in the paper about someone who'd been shot in a nightclub in King's Cross. And it's one of those moments where it was a God moment where I suddenly felt really burdened and thought, God, how do we reach, how do we reach into that world? What do we do? Um, and left it at that, really. Then we did the stick banging. And then about five days later, I'm walking past the exact spot where we did that. It's about five days later. Walking past the exact spot, see a girl outside a shop with a handbag, and it's got this kind of little, little like, pretend kind of... Um, padlock thing on the handbag. Walk past, Spirit of God speaks to me, she's all locked up. I carried on walking and I thought, oh, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, you start walking and it gets slower and slower as you're under conviction. You're still walking away, but you're like, I can't do it. So I go back, you know, say hi, say look, it's going to sound really crazy, but I'm, I'm not a Christian and da da da. And I just felt, I came, I saw that lock on, I just felt God says you're all locked up. Turns out she's the girlfriend of the guy who got shot in that club. Yeah? So, Word knowledge just opened it up, had a great chat about the Lord. And I just felt it was a token of God's grace that it would happen there a few days later. God's saying, I am with you, and you are, it is a bit but I'm with you. Keep following my promptings. And I think, to look back, how, how have we got this far? We've tried to follow him, even when it's been a bit cranky. Um, when we went to two services, two congregations, we felt God say clearly, I went, I've told you the story before, I went on a website where they talk about multi-congregations, and it was like this list of eight things you must have in place before you go to two, and we had one out of eight, and I'm like, oh, no. So yeah, so I walk off again, you know, and I say, God, I don't want to be a maverick, I don't want to, these guys know what they're talking about, we're only doing it because you said, you know, and uh, <laughs> you, see, you see the irony. So, so we said, well, we've just got to do it, we did it, and Boom, bang, God, amazing, great things have happened, fruitful, you know, lives being changed, church doubled in size, praise God, you know, now we're going, now, now it's back to, back to one or forward to one, everyone phrase it, go to one, he said, what are we doing? Well, we're, we're following God. We're following God. And, and that's it. And if I, I guess if, if we ever have to give a reason more than that, then probably we're, we've moved away in some way from our, the heart of the thing. It's his church, it's his kingdom. Our confidence is in we're sticking really close to him. Let's please keep prophesying, keep hearing God, keep honouring the promptings of God. I just want to urge for that to stay at the heart of what we are. When Julian Adams, who's the prophet guy, first prophesied over us, he said the key is, is that, like Gideon's army, you're going to have your face in the river and you're going to just be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I want to just say we must not back off from the charismatic we must not back off from gifts, from pursuing healing, from pursuing the prophetic. From, we mustn't get tame, domesticated and respectable. We mustn't. If we do that, we are signing our death warrant. There, with the anointing of God, there is, there is a, I don't know how to put it, 
You pursue the anointing. You don't, you don't pursue disrespectability. But as you pursue the anointing, as, that will come in, at some point. Because then you have to choose, what do I want? Respo- respectability or anointing? And I want to say now, we want anointing. Okay? There may be things we do in the community where we get amazing favour and everyone thinks we're, oh, they're the business, revelations, they're doing this, they're really serving, they're really helping, and we enjoy that favour. Great. There may be other things we do and it, there's just a nasty kickback and it all goes wrong in quotes and you think, what's going on here? And it may be just as much God as the other things we're doing. Okay? So we, we pursue him and we don't gauge how we're doing on response. Yeah? We follow him and we look for fruit. Yeah? Because we want to love people, not fear them. You can't do both. You love them. Sometimes they love you back. Sometimes they hate you. But you say, we're here to love, not fear. And God will be with us in that. A couple more things. Robust worship. I love this. We're told of them that when they heard this uh, prophetic word, this is, um, Jehoshaphat bowed his face to the, to the ground and then, and then all Jerusalem did the same. And then the Levites and Kohathites and Korahites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. And I want to just say, let's keep worshipping the Lord robustly. Let's keep making some noise to the Lord, shall we? I want to encourage you guys, it's just as holy at times to shout as it is to be in silence. It's just as, it's just as, it's just as in God's will to groan at times. The Bible talks about that groaning in the spirit. I want to say, come on, let's, let's make some noise to the Lord. Let's make some sound. Let's not be afraid of crying out to him, of, 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 of declaring loudly and robustly and at times in a militant way that he is awesome and that he's taken us somewhere. Let's not back away from it. Let's not get in all, well, what will they think? Do you know what? If it's worship, the worship is not for the believers. The worship is not for the unbelievers. The worship is for the Lord. That's who it's for. Okay? When unexplainable things happen, like speaking in tongues and stuff, we explain it so that everyone knows what's going on. But we don't dull it down. We don't dilute it. We don't back away from it. I want to say, guys, let's charge in with robust worship. Let's keep it loud. There'll be times of silence and quietness, but let let that be a zealous silence, not a passive silence. Amen? Let's let's do that. This is 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 a faith response. which brings me on to my final point, which is faith. I just love this. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Believe his prophets and you will succeed. You like that? I'll say that again, because you should have really been more excited about that. (laughs) Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe his prophets, and you will succeed. Great spontaneous response. (laughs) A theme that has come through for us prophetically over the years is faith. Believe God. You're going to accomplish things, not because of your amazing resources or because, it's, oh, well, yeah, look, of course they've been able to do that. They've, they've got, I don't know, 100 millionaires in the church. No, people are going to be able to look at it and say, how have you done that? Faith. Believe God. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Believe his prophets. Believe the prophetic word and you will succeed. That's what should mark us. This next season, we are looking for faith heroes. Weak, frail, faith heroes. Those who will believe the prophetic word. Those of you who actually will dare to say, I think God might be stirring something in me for a gospel community. Um, 
And I'm hearing all kinds of crazy thoughts like, oh, you can't stand up and say that. You'll be presumptuous or people will think this of you. And you're able to push through that and say, I'm going to give it a go anyway. That's what we need. Wanted. Frail, flawed, weak faith heroes. Who in the middle of messy lives and in the middle of opposition and in the middle of pressure are able to say, I think God might be speaking to me. And I'm going to go for it. And I'm going to take a step forward. And I'm going to risk failure. That's what we need. That's what, and that, I'm going to stop there because that's next week's sermon. It's gonna, next week's sermon. I'm excited about it already. But look how this story ends. The enemy was routed. You like that? The, en- the three armies coming together against little old Judah. And what happens? God goes, bosh. Three, en- three armies just routed by God. I think we should be expecting to see the enemy routed. We should be expecting that, praying for that, looking for that. Because although, you know, he's got a loud roar and all of that. But you know what? At the end of the day, Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the one with all authority. He's the one with the final say. We're told in the Bible that the God of peace will soon crush Satan under his feet. Bang! That's that's, That's what we're about and that's what we're expecting. So we're aware of the opposition, we're aware of the pressure, but we don't need to, oh, we better go and kind of hole up somewhere and try and survive. No, let's just blast right through it, because God's fighting for us. And his promise is going to take us into incredible places. That's the spirit that the Lord God is looking to put in us. So historically, we've sought the Lord. We've not known what to do, but our eyes have been on him. The prophetic words have come, and we've responded to them. We've been loud in our praise and worship. We'll have a chance to do that in just a moment. I'm going to do a little reflection on that in just a moment, actually. Yeah, and we've believed God. Here's my reflection on robust worship. Then Then we're going to do it. Where do you see the most extravagant worship in our nation? Football stadiums. There's no, I mean, there's just, you you can't dispute it. You can maybe argue pop concerts, but we'll go, maybe they're the two. But we'll go with football stadiums. Where do you sit? Now, imagine that, you know, you and 10 of your friends are Arsenal fans and you invite your friend along who's kind of not really an Arsenal fan, but he's kind of in, he's on the fence, you know, he might, it could go either way. And you say, come along, come along, you'll you love it. And then when you get there, you think, well, you know, we better not, better not be too enthusiastic, you know, because uh, it could put him off. You know, we'll just kind of, we'll just sort of tone the thing down. Uh, is that what happens? Now, what happens? You say, come along, you've got to get caught up in this. There is a euphoria here that is just magnificent. And the, the, the guy might, might, might all go along and say, do you know what? You lot are crazy. You're waving your arms in the air. There's spontaneous songs going on. You're pas- Look at the passion. You guys are crazy. It's too much. And they never come back. Fair enough. Or he might go, this is incredible. Look at that. I want to be a part of that. I think our attitude should be the same as those 10 Arsenal fans. But more so. Because we're not singing into the ether. We're singing to the Creator. And if people come and say, do you know what, it's just it's too passionate, I can't do it, then sometimes you have to draw a line and people, it's clarified the thing for them. Okay, that's where it's at at the moment. But if you think I'm going to tone down my passion for Christ, for fear of upsetting you, you've got another thing coming. No way 
not for anyone. The queen could be here. And I'm going to go for it in just the same way because I'm worshipping the king. And I just feel, guys, we need to just be clear on this. He is worthy. He is worthy of all we've got. And when we gather like this to praise and worship, there may not be 10,000 of us in the stadium, there may be one day. But there may not be, but I tell you what, we can surely make a noise to the Lord. We can surely give him our all. We can surely exalt and honour him and chant his name. You know, surely, surely there can be some spontaneous songs and waving of the arms. And if anyone dares say, that's, that's so crazy, no one does that sort of thing, you just go to a football stadium, if they do, they do it every week. You go to a pop concert, they do it every week. It's nonsense. It's not true. It's flawed. It's just the kind of stuff people make up to try and just, I don't know, to, to, as some sort of defence. It is not even countercultural. Okay? It's not. We're just, but we're just worshipping the true and living God. So we've got, we've got, a, we've got, a, we've got a small band. We've got, Seb's going to disappear in eight minutes because he's going to a Kurdish New Year thing. No, you're not. You can stick around. Okay. So we're going to blast it. Okay. Steb uh, stood in last minute because Andy's rough, so he's, he's going to hang out with the Kurds for their New Year thing soon, but he's going he's to stick around to the end. I want to just say, um, I think you've got one song lined up. So, you know what, guys? Spontaneous songs are needed. Okay? We're going to take the bread and the wine. We're going to worship the Lord. And uh, please stand to your feet. Stretch. Get yourself ready to rock and roll for the glory of God.